Welcome to CME on ReachMD. This episode is part of our Minute CME curriculum. Prior to beginning the activity, please be sure to review the faculty and commercial support disclosure statements, as well as the learning objectives. Welcome to this episode. Today, we'll review integrating and optimizing antibody drug conjugates for the treatment of triple negative breast cancer. Joining me today are Dr. Hurwitz and Dr. Kalinsky. So maybe let's start with sasituzumab govitecan. Dr. Hurwitz, how do you incorporate sasituzumab govitecan in your clinical practice if you could go through your treatment paradigm and guideline? Yeah, sasituzumab govitecan showed remarkable efficacy compared to treatment of physician's choice, which was single agent chemotherapy. And while the ASCENT study was in the third line setting and beyond, the approval actually allows for us to use it in the second line setting. And um, that's my preference is to use it in the second line setting after standard chemotherapy, either alone or in combination with pembrolizumab if PDL1 expression is uh, present. Um, the sasituzumab data um, certainly did meet the primary endpoint in terms of both progression-free survival and overall survival. And when we're talking about triple negative breast cancer with so few options available, the fact that this study actually met a survival endpoint is really compelling, um, not only for us as clinicians, but when I tell patients that, it's compelling to them because these are often young women who want to live longer. Um, the side effect profile is something I spend a fair amount of time with um, uh, on when I'm talking with patients about this therapy, but given the survival benefits, most of my patients are highly mo motivated to do things to help them tolerate the therapy and, and to go on and with this therapy. So regardless of uh, PDL one status, whether the tumor is PDL one negative or positive or germline BRCA status in the second line setting, you would consider sasituzumab govitecan. Yes, I would. And if they were PDL one positive, my preference would be to give uh, pembrolizumab in the frontline setting. We know that immune-based therapy works better in the frontline setting than later line setting. So I would I would choose to to use it there. Often I'll use it in combination with gemcitabine carboplatin just to allow women to keep their hair. Um, in the second line setting, if they were someone who carried a germline BRCA mutation, I might be tempted to use a PARP inhibitor in that second line setting. It would have to be an individualized patient discussion because we do know that PARP inhibitors are better than single agent chemo in terms of PFS, but not yet in terms of OS. Um, so it would be a bit of a discussion how we sequence PARP inhibitors versus sasituzumab govitecan since sasituzumab beat treatment of physician's choice in terms of overall survival, perhaps the data is a little more compelling there, but it's just going to depend on whether the patient's willing to have hair loss and have IV therapy, um, et cetera, given the tolerability profile of PARP inhibitors. That's great. And then in terms of treating a patient's, uh, Dr. Kalinsky, say you have a patient in front of you, second line, you're going to prescribe sasituzumab govitecan. What are the things that you usually discuss with the patient in terms of what to expect and side effects? Yeah. I mean, I also, similar to what Dr. Horvitz was saying, I also reiterate 
the overall survival advantage, right? I think that that's really meaningful for all of us. And you know, the study was halted early because it was um, all, for various endpoints, including survival. Um, the Data Safety Monitoring Committee had recommended that the, the results be reported early. So, in terms of the toxicity, you know, we discuss things like nausea and fatigue, alopecia, gastrointestinal issues. I, I tend to use intravenous antiemetics. Um, early and then potentially de-escalate if need be and growth factors when needed. And if patients are experiencing fatigue, I find anecdotally that modification and, um, of the dose can be helpful and patients tend to tolerate. Um, and I, I think that um, my, as Dr. Hurwitz was mentioning in terms of the time of when to utilize sasituzumab, I have a very similar approach. And how about for management of neutropenia? Do you usually start with GCSF or more a secondary prophylaxis or you prefer dose reduction? What's your practice related to neutropenia? Yeah, you know, in, in the study, I believe it was about 50% of patients required growth factor utilization. I, I don't tend to use it on that first cycle. I tend to utilize it if I'm seeing that patients are experiencing neutropenic issues. With the caveat being that I have a patient who had previously experienced uh, issues with uh, her counts, uh, then I, I may have a lower threshold to just start it and kind of see how it goes. But I tend to see how the first cycle go, goes and then adjust accordingly. Makes sense. You can see how the patient is doing and then refine things. Uh, that's great. Uh, so we covered sasituzumab, govitecan extensively in terms of when to use what to expect, how to educate patients, and then adverse events. So moving on to other antibody drug conjugates, uh, Dr. Hurwitz, are there other antibody drug conjugates you're excited about for patients with TNBC? Well, there was um, a little study that was presented <laughs> at ASCO this year, uh, the Destiny Bresto 4 clinical trial, which I think was immediately practiced changing in terms of HER2 low expressing metastatic breast cancer. In this study, TDXD uh, improved PFS and overall survival against treatment of physician's choice. And this study included patients who had hormone receptor positive breast cancer. We know about two thirds of HR positive breast cancer has low expression of HER2 that doesn't meet overexpression or amplification. And somewhere around a third of patients with triple negative disease uh, have HER2 low expression. Um, in this study, there was a small subset of patients who had triple negative breast cancer. I think there were 40 that were evaluable, but maybe 60 that were enrolled overall in the study. Um, and it does show a very compelling trend in the right direction in terms of responses, PFS and OS. Um, so I think it's going to be something that we're all focusing on in the future to see if there are biomarkers who can, that can help us select patients that are good candidates for um, TDXD that have triple negative disease, but it also raises a number of questions. How do we sequence this with sasituzumab, where we have very compelling level one evidence from a large phase three trial for all patients with triple negative disease showing PFS and OS benefits, 
the two ADCs do have very similar um, payloads loads um, that target topoisomerase one. And so we haven't proven one way or another whether using an ADC with a payload that is similar to another one in sequence is actually effective. I think it's really begging us to do clinical trials to test out how we can sequence ADCs that have similar payload mechanisms of action. That's a, that's a great point. And I guess in the future, we'll have to look at ADC sequencing. So just to continue this conversation, I'll bring this difficult question to Dr. Kalinsky. So if you have a patient with pdl one positive TNBC, starts with carbo, jam, pembro first line, and then has disease progression, and the HER2 is low, one plus, two plus, and if both drugs are approved, sasituzumab, govitekin, and trastuzumab, deroxetan, what would you use next? You know, I, I agree with Dr. Hurwitz's assessment. I, I think I, I would utilize sesotuzumab govitekin, given that we had a dedicated study in triple negative breast cancer, randomized phase three trial. I think that the results with trastuzumab deroxetekin and Destiny 04 were certainly exciting and compelling. I think you could recognize that just by the response in the room and the co-publication in the New England Journal of Medicine. I do agree that the question about sequencing is going to be increasingly critical. Also, just keeping in mind that uh, two things. One, sesotuzumab govitekin is going to be evaluated in phase three trials in the frontline setting in a pd one positive and a pd one negative study. So we'll see as this uh, agent continues to move up. And there are other ADCs that are coming down the pike, like DATO-DXD, for instance, that we've seen, which is another trope 2 antibody drug conjugate that's given one week, once every three weeks, as opposed to two weeks on one week off with sesotuzumab govitekin. And what had been previously reported is that there were some patients, not all patients, but some patients who received prior sesotuzumab govitekin who had a response. So I think there's still some things that we need to understand about um, whether patients could have... Uh, an antibody drug conjugate that's targeting, uh, that has the same target, similar payloads, but different targets. There, there are lots of things that we'll need to figure out uh, as um, additional agents come to treat our patients. That's great. A lot more needs to be done in terms of ADC sequencing, and it's good to have more than one option. So thank you so much for participating today. We covered uh, optimizing antibody drug conjugates, the role of sasituzumab covitekin in the second line therapy and upcoming therapies as well. Thank you. Thank you to the panel as well. You've been listening to CME on ReachMD. This activity is jointly provided by Global Learning Collaborative, GLC, and Total CME Incorporated and is part of our Minute CME curriculum. To receive your free CME credit or to download this activity, go to reachmd.com slash CME. Thank you for listening.